0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals, and somehow they let us be here, too. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. And I'm J.P. Maddock. And welcome back to our Shit's Creek season. It was pointed out to me that the sixth season of Shit's Creek is mm-hmm. not yet on Netflix.
2: And it's not, it's really hard to find.
1: It is a bit hard to find.
2: I thankfully watched it through screeners.
1: Oh, (laughs) how fancy. Well, if you're not an Emmy voter, it is on Amazon.
2: So you do have to splurge.
1: If you want to splurge a bit, it is available online. However, if you are waiting for it to be released on Netflix, that's understandable. We will not fully deep dive into the sixth season until the fourth episode. There are certain things that we're not going to pretend don't happen. Yeah,
2: like an asterisk little mark, they get married. Yeah, We all know it from the ads. It
1: was in the promotional materials. We all know they get married. But everything else, you are safe until episode four. So that being said, if you're caught up on seasons one through five, keep listening. Here we go. Last episode, we talked about David before Patrick, because there are two whole seasons of the show before he meets Patrick. And during that time, David grows and develops into someone who can have real adult responsibilities and real adult relationships. He gains some confidence and he learns how to care for other people and we felt that all of that stuff was really important for him to learn before he meets Patrick. This episode we are getting into when Patrick finally does arrive and their early stages of romance, how their relationship begins to unfold, and the kind of general themes of their relationship that are set up right away and why they work. But first... You know, we're here to make sure that you, our listeners, are feeling included in our episodes. And (laughs) to be honest, we're not very subtle people. So we're going to tell you exactly how you might relate in our segment, Relatable Content. Relatable
2: Content.
1: Today in Relatable Content, we're talking about the David Patrick relationship and their early romance. So you yourself might be in a blossoming david patrick relationship and if you are good for you good Good for you you. i'm so happy for you i'm
2: so happy
1: (laughs) i'm so happy you found love during quarantine so you might be a david and patrick if all of your friends are telling you how great this person is
2: you might be a david and patrick if one of you has style and the other has structure.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, so wise. Yeah, like so- one
2: one is the one who is like in the bedroom and is like, can you put the picture frame there? And then the other one gets the hammer and does it.
1: You might be a David and Patrick if you're making up all sorts of excuses to be around that person. Mm. Oh, cute. I miss having a crush.
2: I miss having a crush. I miss having to lie to my friends that I don't have a crush oh, when crap. I clearly do. <sighs> I, you might be. Uh, David and Patrick, if you find yourself saying, I'm not their type, when asked, do you like them?
1: Well, it wouldn't even matter yeah, because I'm, I'm not, not their, their type. type.
2: Look at them. Look at me. Fishing for a compliment while also trying to divert the whole thing. Right. Elsewhere. You're like,
1: there's absolutely no way. But if there was a way, you would tell me right, right now, now. Right Right.
2: <laughs> you would tell me right now. <laughs>
1: You might be a David and Patrick if you can't stop smiling when you're around this person.
2: You might be a David and Patrick if you find your shared banter both annoying and arousing.
1: You might be a David and Patrick if you're immediately comfortable teasing them and being teased.
2: You might be a David and Patrick if you can't tell if you're attracted to them or to their contribution to a shared project. This is like romance versus showmance, Mm
1: -hmm. which
2: is very real in theater worlds. I imagine probably in construction as well.
1: I think even in like restaurant worlds, I think any coworker, like we have to work closely. Like if you're in the weeds, the person who gets you through those tough shifts or those projects at work, mm. Yeah. That's hard to ignore.
2: It's hard to ignore, but then it's also like, do I like them outside of that right. environment? Right. That's the one that really gets me is that I feel like I find crushes in every part of my my life or and then I'm like, wait a second.
1: I'm very guilty of a showmance crush. You might be a David and Patrick if someone is the opposite of who you've traditionally been attracted to in almost every way, yet you still can't shake this crush. Something about them.
2: Something about them. You might be a David and Patrick if you find yourself making other plans on the spot when they ask you to spend the night at their apartment because your sister that you share a room with has lice and you can't actually come up with a real reason why you did that. Okay, you know, actually, this one actually might just be very specific to the show. specific, yes. But (laughs) that, like, quality of, like, when you are just afraid to spend more time with them because you don't want to be vulnerable.
1: Yeah. You're afraid of your feelings. Yes. Oh, and boy, is he ever! I think it's something that Patrick helps him with very and, much so, and that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, okay, lovely. So I now I hope you are already feeling, you know, just ever more in touch with this content and are ready to get into it and feel personally attacked because that's what we love to do. <laughs> we love to pray attack on the, the weak
2: viewers and then win them back
1: and win them back. We're gonna break you down and then build you back up again. Yes.
2: If you've related to any of those, any of those things that we just said, and you just said, that's me, and you're waiting for us to be like, but don't worry, it will happen.
1: So I want to go through a few of the early moments of David and Patrick, because I think a lot of what happens in the first few episodes really sets up the themes of the relationship. Okay, so here's where we are in the plot that gets us to meeting Patrick. Uh, after Christmastown pulls out of the lease, uh, David gets the lease on the general store and he goes to Ray's. Can you name all of the businesses that Ray does?
2: Oh, my God. He's like a photographer. Yes. I guess he also runs the business bureau. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> because Patrick is a part of that.
1: Ray also does real estate.
2: Yes, that's right. Because Trav- he shows them the apartment. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Travel according to the poster. That's and hilarious. when he first walks in, uh, closet organization. And then he sells Christmas trees. I just thought that was some fun uh, Shit's Creek trivia. So he goes there to get a business license because, uh, like you said, apparently he runs a business bureau. And he meets Patrick, who... I guess... Do you think Patrick just moved to Shit's Creek?
2: He's had to have been there for a little bit because he knows who David is.
1: Yeah. He's a David Rose You bought the general store. David yeah. Rose. no, 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 no. So he meets Patrick, and I'm just going to play a bit of the audio from their first meeting so just everyone can be reminded.
0: Why don't we start with the uh, name of the business? Oh, um, I'm oscillating between two names at the moment, so if we could just leave that one blank, that would be great. Okay, sure, like sure. Like each other. Give you more time to oscillate. Um, business address. Okay, so I'm working on that? Y- yeah, for sure. Okay, look at her. We'll leave that blank as well. in okay, at at a thousand here, David what that means. Tell you what, why don't you uh, take these home with you and just fill them out when you have a a clearer idea of what you want to do with your business. I do have a clear idea. Oh. You've settled on a name then. You're either very impatient or extremely sure of yourself. Three bit of a change up there, Yeah, again, I don't know what that means. I don't play cricket. I have
2: watched this scene not once, not twice. Okay, well, I actually did watch it just twice, but then I... Went online and I like found the transcript.
1: Wow. I know. Above and beyond. Above and beyond
2: because we can see it. We can see the the chemistry. We can see the acting, everything. But if you go and you actually look at the dialogue, it is an argument scene. But it is how it's played on Patrick's part that makes it a flirtatious interaction. Because David in most of his scenes is pretty argumentative with most everybody. Right. But it's also the way that he reacts in here that I don't even think he is conscious that he is flirting. Yeah. Because he doesn't really try to actually attack uh, him and say these things. He uh, kind of like lets it, it go. But it's, you do see Patrick is the one who turns the argument into a witty. Banter.
1: Yeah. He he wittifies it. How yes. do you, ooh, we should make up a word for when you turn an argument into a flirtation.
2: Fight or flirt. Like- fight or
1: flirt. Oh, ooh, great. He's come to a moment of fight or flirt. And and I think the response is an instinctual gut thing. Right. That You cannot control. You cannot control. Fictional or non-fictional. If it's someone that you have chemistry with, you're going to flirt.
2: You're going to flirt. And if it's someone you do not have chemistry with, you're going to fight. You're going to
1: fight. Which is, I think, I think exactly what you just said is one of the things, one of the many reasons I love this first interaction so much. And we're a podcast, so we can't really present you with the full effect of this scene. Patrick just can't stop smiling. He literally has to cover his mouth. He's so charmed by him. And I think you're right. David is so busy, you know, stressing about the license. And he's obviously got so much fear around the business to understand what's happening. And I also think Patrick throws him off. I don't know if he's, you know, if it's initially attracted to him or he's just so thrown by this person who doesn't operate in the same way that everyone else does that he doesn't fight back in the same way that David Rose usually does. And I think that is the kind of instant chemistry that only exists when two people are being themselves and are comfortable in themselves from the moment that they meet.
2: Yeah, at one point it's like, I don't know, I don't know cricket. And I was like, wait, is this all a cricket reference? No. And then, then I was like, maybe in Canada they play cricket.
1: But I was like, for you, a bit of a change up. Um, it's like a fast oh, pitch. Oh, that's. I get it now. He's like, what
2: he's like, now you're batting a thousand Bad, now? Batting a thousand. It's oh, all baseball references. God. Yes, yes. Wow. You see how... Uh,
1: I do love a baseball romance too. And by that, I mean, I just love the movie Fever Pitch. Um, <laughs> so all of this to say, I think that's why we spent so much time last episode talking about how David had to grow into a fuller, more confident, more honest version of himself. But it's also very important that Patrick is that way too patrick is a full confident version of himself so they can have this first interaction be completely honest be themselves in it hundred percent i think that's part of what throws him is this person is so confident and assured and can throw you know i was about to try to make a baseball joke i can't but can stand toe-to-toe with david i don't know what kind of reference that i know is, throw toe-to-toe. a curveball uh, he throws David a curveball. He does. Yeah, he does. he does. He does. throws him a bit
2: of a curveball. hmm And he swings and he misses. Right. At the beginning. At the yeah. beginning, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the game is over. You have nine innings.
1: Okay, and we're going to... Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow, impressive baseball. Oh, wow. Nine Take that, well.
2: Coach Presley.
1: Do you want to unpack that? Just a
2: coach. I don't <laughs> think she's listening, but she's out there. What I think is really cool is that he walks in and Ray is photographing an engagement what i think is an engagement photo it's like a couple you so and i was right. like foreshadow foreshadow okay but like most people in quarantine i've picked up the ancient hobby of reading books
1: oh, Wow, how brave of you i know
2: and one book in particular that i've read is called if it's purple someone's gonna die it explores how colors work in the visual storytelling of film and television so if you are already bored with what i'm talking about My point is about to come. So we meet Patrick wearing a beautiful navy blue button-up shirt. And it's like a deep blue. And deep blues are usually associated with transitions, melancholy, or being very cerebral.
1: Which makes sense also because Patrick wears almost nothing but blue shirts on this show.
2: Exactly. Once
1: you see it, you cannot unsee it. Just, I promise, it it is 90% blue shirts.
2: So he's wearing this. I think that the melancholy part... It doesn't really... I don't think he's a very melancholy person. I think he is in a personal transition. He just moved here. We don't know this yet, but he has never been with a man, and he's starting to explore it. And I think he is very cerebral. I think he's ve- he thinks a lot. He's very logic. I think that's probably the thing that he leads with before emotion. I think he's very heady, and so I think when he meets David and he encounters them, he gets him as a bit of a mystery. I both think that they both see each other as a bit of a mystery, but I definitely think David's mysterious vibe is what entices Patrick. Yeah, and makes I think this Pat- ar- not an argument. It makes it flirtatious.
1: Right, because I think Patrick's like, I've literally never met a person like this in my life.
2: Exactly. And I think he pinpoints it right at the top. You see it like from the way he looks at it when he first sees him.
1: Right. And I think it's important that he... You know, I think a lot of other people in this town immediately create a judgment or a narrative around David. And I think what's different about Patrick is that he sees that and is immediately enticed by David. It's a good matchup. Yes. Okay, we maybe need to stop trying to bring sports into this, but we are on the Believe (laughs) Network, so... Batter
2: um, up. Batter up, boys. Batter up. We're going to the dugout.
1: I think what this first interaction in their dialogue, and as you said in how Patrick receives this first interaction sets up that Patrick is pretty clear about how he feels right away. He still sees David, I agree, as kind of like a mystery of who is this person. But I think what, however conscious he is of it, he definitely is into David right away. And I think we should talk about how that kind of sets up the dynamic of their relationship. I love this choice that they made to have him be so into David and just be smiling and charmed and like completely enamored with him right away. Because I feel that so often in TV and in real life, we kind of glamorize the early confusing stages of a relationship. The like, will they, won't they? Do they like me? I am so guilty of this and i think it is because of watching years and years of tv romance and wanting the years of build-up and wanting this quote-unquote epic love story and i think what's so refreshing about schitt's creek and david and patrick is seeing patrick be so clearly into david from the jump and there's something so simple and pure about just how charmed he is by david And then from there, you know, not playing games, just starting to genuinely do things to show up for that person. And I think that happens so rarely.
2: I think so. And I think we get the will they, won't they with Ted and Alexis. Right. So... It is nice to have the reality that sometimes when you you meet someone you hit it off right off the bat and it's like the second they walk in like if you were to meet them at a bar it's like the second they walk into the bar you're just like I just knew from like the way you ordered your drink or the like just something about it I knew. Yeah. And so those things exist just as much as the other like oh the beginning was really fun because it was like this whole I don't know what is it. Um I find it actually really refreshing that this is how Patrick views David because for most of the world that we've watched for the two and a half seasons so far, most people kind of don't view David the way we as an audience view David. He
1: just starts showing up for David. He starts showing up to the store to help out. He offers to get more money and invest in the store. Side note, just that casual, like, oh, I'm going to get the money was so sexy.
2: Confidence is sexy.
1: Confidence is sexy.
2: It's like when some... I don't know. It's like, I know this place. And then you go there and it's like, actually cool.
1: Right. What well, it never has never happened to me. Never right. happened to me. But. One day. <laughs> <laughs> but so, and I don't think he does this. I don't think he starts showing up for David because he knows he wants David. And this is all some ruse, some elaborate plan to like get the guy. I think he genuinely believes in the store. And I think he genuinely likes David. And instead of running away from those feelings, I think it's as simple as he's following his gut. And his gut, because he's a good person, says to show up. And he doesn't push anything. And he doesn't do anything that David feels uncomfortable with. He shows up with pure intentions and confidence and kindness. And I just, I wish more people would do that when they have a crush because it's so sexy.
0: Yeah.
2: Stalker, but make it sexy.
1: Okay, so the next theme we want to explore, I'm going to play a little clip of an early interaction between David and Patrick, which I think shows that Patrick is not afraid to call David out.
0: I really think you have something here, David. You just just need some help. You need a lot of help. Okay. Um, well, uh, then yes. I am open to entertaining your investment offer. Great. And uh, in the interests of us potentially working together, I did want to uh, come clean about something. I, um, I actually picked out that frame. So thank you for making it very clear that I will be making the creative decisions for the store.
1: So what I love about this is that I think it sets up the importance of being with someone who A, sees you as the whole full version of a person that you are and accepts that whole version of a person that you are. And what I love about... This scene and a lot of these early scenes between the two of them, where there's where they're calling each other out, is that they're being exactly themselves. Which I think, I think for a lot of people, it takes years to get to a place where you can be exactly yourself in any situation, at work with your friends, but especially with people you're romantically pursuing. Um, I think what ends up dooming so many relationships is this kind of idea of a what I'm going to call a false start, where you act a certain way around them in order to get them to like you. And I think a good example of this is we see Alexis do this when Patrick first comes into the store and she's there and she's like, oh, I am David's sister and David's life coach. We all are not Alexis Rose, so we don't do it that dramatically. But I think as humans, a lot of us are guilty of putting on this thing when we're around someone that we like And then, when you actually start dating them and getting to know them, the relationship ends up falling apart because they see who you really are.
2: Yes, 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 yes. This is like a flashback to our last episode. That you got to be you before you can be a we, and the math doesn't usually work out the other way around. When you're a we first, and then you want to be a you, you've destroyed it.
1: I think in these, you know, initial scenes where David's talking about the store and his vision for it, even when David is being his blindly confident stubborn, sometimes delusional self, Patrick sees that, but still takes David seriously. And I think so much of David's past is people kind of, my verb for it is kind of end up eye rolling him. You know, that looks like people underestimating him and using him. And Patrick doesn't do that. He sees this person who he knows is flawed and wildly opinionated and a little snarky. And he acknowledges that without writing David off.
2: Uh, I think Patrick is confident, but he's not overbearing. Like, he's assertive, but he's not Mm -hmm. controlling. He's not, like, trying to change. I think he's just trying to, like, steer
1: David in the right way.
2: He tells him the things that he is not doing correctly. Right. But he also takes it on himself to do those things instead of just labeling them and leaping. Okay, so when he comes to the store and there's, like, this hilarious... First exchange with him and Alexis, who was like really flirtatiously bossing him around.
1: Um, Side note, I think that there will always be someone for me to flirtatiously boss around is the new. There will always be women in leather flirting with me. What is that? Oh, my God. It's from Rent, JP. Get out of my podcast.
2: (laughs) I don't know about you, but I only listen and watch to the, what was it, Fox Live one with Vanessa Hudgens. That's the only one that matters to me.
1: (laughs) Well, they still say there will always be women in leather (laughs) flirting with me in that. So maybe you should. All
2: All right. All right. All right. All right.
1: Anyways, continue with your point.
2: Patrick comes in and him and Alexis, or Alexis is like trying to flirt with him and Patrick is sort of just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Patrick even tries to school David a little bit about how much product he has purchased for the store. And Alexis is like on Team Patrick immediately and it's like, yeah, with my high school education, I just actually learned this and it's blah 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 blah. And then David turns around and it's something that I don't really see him do very often where he actually is able to shut them yes. down perfectly. And this is where Patrick blushes. Ooh. You can go back and you can check. But he does blush when he does it because he gets called out a little bit and he's He's like,
1: go Noah Read. Way to be in the moment. You can't fake a blush.
2: You can't fake a blush, but some people just have rosacea. It just turns out that I have been wearing a red shirt and they have very pale skin. So it just reflects off of them. And I'm like, wow, they're, they're blushing. Oh
1: my God, they're so <laughs> flustered by me. So the third kind of theme that I want to talk about from the early days of their relationship, I think is well portrayed in this moment where they're talking about doing a soft launch or a soft opening or a grand opening so we're gonna play a little clip of that
0: so hey i was thinking about our uh our launch party and i think we should take out like a full page in the local news and just make it make it a thing you know Mm. um well do you not think people are gonna show no no i do i just think if we're gonna go big let's go big yeah, because because um, I was thinking, what if we did like a soft launch um, and, you know, just tested the store out on a small group of people, did like an exclusive VIP guest list and offered, you know, a friends and family discount as incentive. And huh, now it's sounding like you don't think people will show.
1: I think we've done a pretty good job at establishing that it comes to business and professional decision making, Patrick is super confident and self-assured. David is a bit less so though he has gained some confidence and we'll touch on this more a bit later but I think this sets up really well the ways in which they are kind of this balancing act. Patrick is going to lead the way a bit more in the business and in the relationship and he is going to push David a little bit by believing in him. Which is something that doesn't come across as controlling, like we said earlier, because I think it's something David needs. And because David has been burned so many times before, both personally and professionally, I think he is probably not going to open up or take steps forward until Patrick has paved a very clear path.
2: David is not the person to make the first move. No. In most cases, which is quintessential cancer. So I just want to talk about the lice episode for one sec, because I think this is a really pivotal moment for David on David's part. Uh, So we've seen them grow. We've seen them be very compatible in this under the radar flirtation ship and we've seen patrick in multiple versions of the same blue button up and now it's time to shake things up nature has sent in her little demon hair fairies and put david into his like germaphobe spiral and he has gone so far as to wrap his head in cellophane and cover it with a beanie which is so gross and it is the perfect setup for patrick to invite david over to his house so to bring it outside of the business This is like the first time where I think there really is an invitation to do something outside of business. And David does that thing that I mentioned earlier where he comes up with an excuse of why he cannot. I think being asked to spend the night at someone's house is just a big leap for anyone. Spending the night is a commitment. You get to go into the whole world of them, see all of their weird stuff they put on the wall and how they have chosen to design their space. And it just it's very exposing. I love the comfort of my own bed.
1: Me too. I've designed it specifically for me to enjoy.
2: Exactly. I've designed it for me and to for no one else to enjoy.
1: <laughs> and we're like, oh my god. And then we're single? here and we're
2: complaining for like all you people out there starting your relationships. Yeah. Okay, but I think this is uh where David, when he spends the night at Stevie's house, is really where he gets the thought of what is this relationship. So the next episode after this, after the last episode, is when I see David start looking at Patrick different.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So you think now the is in his head because of the sleepover. And, and I think he's now he's trying to figure to it out.
2: I think he might have just blindly distracted himself from whatever it was. I think he just was always like, no, it's business, it's business, it's business. But as soon as Stevie was like, I think there's something else. And Alexis at this point was like, I think there's something else. Yeah. Then now he's like, oh maybe there is, because he backhandedly compliments him and says he has he looks like he has a clean mouth. Like you usually I don't usually don't share drinks with people, but you look like you have a clean mouth. And Patrick takes this as a compliment and then he blushes again. You can check it out. I mean, at the end of that scene He says, when David's like, oh, I want that juice back, he's like, no, you look like you have a sloppy mouth. And that is textbook negging. Negging. And if you don't know what negging is, it is when you insult someone as a way of flirting. Brat boys think they are the masters of this move, but really they're just being assholes. And when it is properly done, what it does is when you insult the person, it makes them like you more.
1: Right. And I think that this is, I'm generally not a fan of negging, but this is done well because it is simultaneously negging and a callback. To an inside joke.
2: I think when you can, when you use nagging appropriately in the right circumstance, it works perfectly. When you use nagging, like you go up to someone in the barn, you're like, why would you wear that shirt?
1: Yeah, that, that can't just, be your opening line. Yeah, that's just go home. bad taste, bad, bad taste. taste. We aren't doing
2: that anymore. We've mm-hmm. moved on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so the success of the soft open of Rose Apothecary opens David's eyes to just really how good Patrick is for him. Because I think he sees him as like an interest, but I don't think he really zones in on him until. Right before the soft opening, he's there and he's like stressing out. And he's like, oh, I forgot to do all these things. And Patrick's like, no, I fixed the light. I mean, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Oh, and I applied to whatever insurance or whatever we had to get.
1: Patrick turning on the light. That's another one. As an acts of service, love language person, Patrick flipping on those lights. I was like, ah.
2: And then at the very end, they had a really long lingering hug. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's just
2: textbook perfect.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. A lingering hug might still be my only move. That is still maybe the only way I know how to communicate to someone that I'm into them.
2: It takes two to hug.
1: It takes two to hug. And tango. But rent. <laughs> yes, there is tangoing and rent. <laughs> uh okay, let's talk about their first kiss, which happens shortly after the soft opening. Yes.
2: So, it's season 3 finale. It is David's birthday, which last time I talked about how he was a cancer, okay? And then I got into this really big rev up of, of the proof of how he is a cancer. And then I said June 2nd, which if you are anyone who is anyone, you know that it's a Gemini, not a cancer. And, but it's actually July
1: 2nd. You weren't that far off. Yes, yeah,
2: so I wasn't that far off. I just said the wrong month. July 2nd is David's birthday. Everyone has forgotten yet again. So it's really easy for Patrick to be like, no, you have a birthday. We have to celebrate. We're doing this. Uh, David shows up. Patrick is already there wearing his iconic blue. And they sit down and we're like, oh, it's going to be a date scene, but... Stevie shows up. David has done that thing where he doesn't know if this is a date or not. And he wants to invite his friend along. And I'm sorry I do this sometimes. And I apologize to all of the girls I've ever invited to what I didn't realize was a date until I showed up and I realized it was a date. Okay, so Patrick is like a little flustered by Stevie's arrival and goes to the bathroom. I think probably does just have a, re-moment to, or a moment to reassess how he's going to do this. Because that's when we find out he brought a gift. And the gift bag is black and blue. Storytelling.
1: Um, what I also think is really significant what Stevie does is she gives David the little like point and nod. Yes. And like, this is this is it. And if uh, you've never
2: had a best friend point and nod at a guy that you've you've introduced them to, y- you haven't introduced the right guy.
1: Yeah, and I actually want to been meaning to say this to you is you have never once done that for any of the guys that I've been interested in. And I'm going to be honest in the past I have been a little miffed that uh, I felt <laughs> you haven't supported some and of my... And where are they now? And yes, and now I want to thank you yes. because to your point where exactly. are they now? You were right. None of them deserved the point and nod. As
2: a best friend you cannot point to someone and not every single time they're with someone or that little point. You only get that like...
1: No. Twice in your life. Twice in your,
2: twice life. In your agree. That's the number that was in my mind. Okay, so they have this really great date. She gives the point nod. Patrick and David have a lovely, lovely dinner, which uh, I just want to talk about Twyla for one second. She says she drops off these complimentary like mozzarella sticks and then she's like, anything else you need from me? I'm leaving. And I'm like, what? What do you what do you mean? (laughs) This is the first time you've shown up to the table.
1: table. (laughs) Terrible service. Terrible service. Which means all they've eaten is mozzarella sticks.
2: Yes. Hot. Okay. So it's the car. The kiss. The kiss inside the car. Ooh, it's like so teen drama. So from the top of the scene, you see Patrick have this impulse right at the very top to sort of make a move, and then he doesn't. And, okay, so when they originally wrote this scene, they wrote it where Patrick gave David the kiss first, but after David had a friend of his read the the script, his friend was like, Realistically, if this is this guy's first kiss, he probably is not so confident that he would do this. This would be a moment where he would need to be kissed. He he does a great thing where he looks at people's lips, which is a dead giveaway that you want to kiss someone. If someone is looking at your lips, they either are seeing something that is in your teeth or they want to kiss you. It's also a great way to end an argument if you are arguing with a lover and you just want them to stop, you just stare at their lips. It's just a great move.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Um but yeah, I agree because Patrick does say I was getting nervous that we were going to leave this car without me having done that. And whatever. We all have this like end of the first date moment where we're like, I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the kiss. I'm going to make it happen. So I think it makes sense that you, you do, do see it in his eyes. From-,
2: from the first moment. And then right after the kiss, it's super awkward. There's like a solid three seconds of television, which is really long thing. And then Patrick is the one to, to make it even more awkward and thank him.
1: I think... This goes back to kind of this point I was trying to make of them being a good balancing act for each other. Because I think Patrick really did need David to take the lead in that situation and go for the kiss in the way that Patrick takes the lead in a lot of the other journeys they go on. I think if personally.
2: Patrick had taken the lead on this, their relationship would have had a different outcome because it would have been Patrick makes all the moves on David. Right. David isn't so sure if it's really what he wants. And we mm-hmm. probably would have seen them break up. And- yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I think Patrick would have gotten exhausted with it, and it happens. It happened. Uh, we talked about this last season with Luke and Lorelai. It happens when someone has to take the lead too much. There's sometimes a reckoning, and I think they establish a better balance right away. Okay, cool. However, despite having some really good and healthy dynamics set up from the top of their relationship, there is one of one kind of very large hurdle that they have to tackle at the beginning of their relationship, and that is Rachel. Patrick's ex fiance coming to town. This happens when Patrick and David are starting to get more serious. They hit four months, which everyone around David recognizes as his longest relationship.
2: Yeah, and it's not a subtle clue from the prop department. It's like a huge cookie cake
1: so to celebrate that four-month anniversary the roses have asked patrick to come over for a barbecue and alexis has just met this girl that has given her some good girl advice and she brings this woman i should say rachel to the barbecue and we immediately find out that rachel was formally engaged to patrick
2: and the line right before she enters is Johnny's line. He makes a toast. He says, two relationships, old and new. Oh. oh.
1: Okay, so let's talk about what happens in this show and just in general, having conversations about your exes and about your past relationships. So essentially, Patrick has not told David that he was formerly engaged to anyone. And of course, there's this added extra dynamic that Patrick was engaged to a woman. And Patrick, this is his first relationship with a man. So should Patrick have shared this information with David? I think it's, I think, yes, is my simple answer. David has described himself very clearly as quote unquote damaged goods. They talk about it a lot and he's very, very clearly insecure about real relationships. And he has made that very known to Patrick. To me, this feels like a really big misstep on Patrick's end to not have the conversation. and. I'm just gonna play this little clip.
0: And you didn't think to tell me about this? You stood in front of me and told me to trust people. I know. When I was perfectly fine, not trusting people. Not trusting people is what I'm used to. It is my comfort zone. But next thing I know, there's an oversized cookie on my doorstep and you are telling me that I have nothing to worry about.
1: So I think this goes back to what we were saying in the first episode about him operating out of fear which has gotten better since we first met him. But I think this is kind of the last frontier of David being fear-based. He's afraid to be bold in celebrating his relationship and brave in moving forward in his relationship. So I think that has caused kind of this blockade for the two of them between David's fear and Patrick's insecurity. And that's why it doesn't get talked about.
2: Right. So you would say... Who, if you had to be, like, it is either Patrick or David's leading fault. I think they're both at fault. Yeah. But, like, if one took the the strive over the other, is it David or Patrick for you?
1: I think it's more Patrick's fault.
2: I think it's David's fault.
1: Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Tell, Tell me why.
2: Well, I do. I do think it's David's fault. I mean, like, at this point, we're at four months, which... Even right after the first kiss, when the relationship really went from coworkers to like something beyond that, Patrick immediately is like, "I've never this is the first time I've kissed someone or I've kissed a man." So he's already leading to there were women, or at least something other than that, which I know that David has this insecurity of not knowing, but you have to sit there and think, okay, there were women. There have to be women like he's a 30 something year old man and this is the first time he's kissed a man then there must be women that you've kissed. Yeah. When you're when you're coming out and you're coming out in a relationship with someone there's so many like you have to tiptoe around everything because you don't want to hurt your ex's feeling, especially if it was someone you were engaged to. You don't want to insult them and belittle the relationship you just had with them and be like, I'm actually was never into women. I've always been into men, but I didn't know that. And I think when you are dating someone who is not fully out, you have to be aware of all of the shit that they're going through, all of those steps, because I think he also didn't want to tell David about it because I think he was afraid that David, rightly so, would take it too personally so the strike one happened for david for me when he didn't take the opportunity to call back on wait if i was the first guy you ever kissed who are the women right which is always a fun conversation to have with someone if you're dating someone of the same gender and be like they were dated other people be like what were they like like what is the kind of guy you like what's the girl you like and then the other one even the morning of the barbecue David is like, this is the long, tells Patrick that this is the longest his relationship has been. And Patrick's kind of like surprised by it. And then he's like, oh, that's so cute, which I think is a moment for where David realizes this isn't the longest relationship Patrick has had. That's a strike for both of them in my mind. Yeah, so the amazing. score is one, one, two. And
1: well, we are getting very into sports this episode. Oh, this
2: is athletic. <laughs> we need to.
1: A- I'm tired. <laughs> I'm
2: tired. We'll, we'll get. A act break? What do they call it in sports? A timeout after this. Okay, so, and then in the fight of the barbecue, Patrick keeps being like, I didn't know it was right until I met you.
1: Actually, let's play this clip too because it's also really important. It is.
0: Because no matter how hard I tried with her, it just never felt right. And up until recently, I didn't understand why. David, I've spent most of my life not knowing what right was supposed to feel like and then I met you and everything changed. You make me feel right, David.
2: Wow. But I think, for me, it is three strikes on David, one strike on Patrick. I think when you are dating someone who is coming out, you inherit more responsibility to help them through it. And if you're not making like a safe space in your relationship for them to fully come out to you about who they were and who they are and their experience, then it's harder for them to, I just think it's really hard for the person who's coming out because when you're coming out, holding someone's hand, like you don't want to hurt them because you don't want to insult them and be like, I haven't told these people yet. And it's not because I'm ashamed of you. It's that I just don't want to, like, i want to be sensitive to how they view me. And I don't want to like ruin that, but I think this really does ask the big question: is when is the appropriate time to ask your partner about their past relationships?
1: Mm. Because
2: I know for me, it is like day one. I'm always <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> so so great to meet you. Who did you date before me? Exactly.
2: I'm always like, that's really funny. Who gave you that T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Was assuming. that it from an ex? <laughs> Oh, you got a text message from your ex?
1: Oh, so tell me about your tattoos. Which one of them are related to your exes?
2: <laughs> I think for me it's very early on. I love knowing about someone's past because I also think it's really great to know like if you find out, oh yeah, I just got out of a relationship with someone for 3 years, but it ha- we broke up like 6 months ago, don't worry. Can't really go into a relationship blindly thinking that they've never been with someone else because you're no. going to end because then the universe is going to send you that person just like they did ex- in this TV show.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I know. I think it's really fair to know at least about like the most immediate relationship within the first month of dating. You might not need the whole like breadth of history about this person, but I but I think you're right to know if someone's been single for a while or if they're fresh out of a relationship, because then that helps you adjust your expectations of what they're ready for or what they're looking for. And I think having aligned expectations about that is key early on in a relationship. It's just hard. Yeah, Relationships
2: so, are hard. Uh, that is a really tough situation. But in my mind, I think you think Patrick is...
1: For a similar reason, I think Patrick takes on some more responsibility because David has been so burned before. And do you think David takes on an extra extra responsibility because Patrick's coming out right. through this relationship? Exactly.
2: So we've agreed. It is broken at this moment. How do they fix it?
1: On Patrick's end, Patrick gives David space Which I think is the correct choice. Space aside from the texts and gifts, but I also think that that was correct because I think he knows David claims he wanted space, but I also think he knows David well enough in his core to also know that like David also needed to to still feel secure and get the texts. Yeah, David's like
2: receiving love language is definitely I think yes,
1: Uh he loves uh that stuff.
2: I think Patrick is definitely a smart man on making this move because I have found most people when they feel hurt slash betrayed and embarrassed by feeling hurt and betrayed, needs space to put everything in perspective, which is what David is doing. When he goes to the spa, he sees all this. He's working it out with with Stevie, his best friend.
1: So when they do get back together, Patrick realizes that David has somewhat milked how upset he was in order to keep getting the gifts.
2: Right, and he feels like he needs a, a couple of gifts and, you know, an olive branch on his part, which I think is very fair. I mean, this is, I think, the first part where Patrick, up until now, has been super confident in the relationship. It is working. It is what I want. It is right. And I think this whole moment is where he's starting to question, is it right? What do we do?
1: So that's how Patrick fixes it, by, you know, giving him this time. And how David then fixes the new problem he's developed with Patrick by milking the situation is his olive branch. But to fully understand his olive branch, we have to go back. And we have we have to go back. We
2: have to go back. Stop everything you're doing.
1: When you say we have to go back, I have two references that come to mind. One is from Lost, where they go, We have to go back when oh, they yeah. leave the island. And the other is Leah Michelle's audition for Glee. Yeah. Where she the pianist gets off. And she goes. We have to go back to blah blah, and people like loved it because they're like, "Oh my god, how funny she's being in character! She's Rachel Berry." Turns out, no, she's just a monster. She's just a
2: monster, and now we now know.
1: So we have to go back and talk about simply the best, which we've saved for last because it's such a big moment in the show and in David and Patrick, and we wanted to end on a high note.
2: And not only do we want to end it on a high note, but you got to rev up the anticipation.
1: Yes, they're, everyone's just sitting there at home on their runs, in their car. Like, when are they going to talk about Simply the Best? Yeah, they're
2: like, you guys have talked about it now for a solid minute. Let's talk about it right now.
1: But just to Ryan Seacrest you a bit more, we're going to be back right after this quick break because we have something to talk about. We have a sponsor to talk about. You are growing
2: up in the podcast world. You're not official until you have a of an ad. I feel like you absolutely cannot really watch television without the comfort of knowing that you are secure.
1: Simply Safe was designed to be super easy while protecting your whole home, including you on your bed watching Netflix. So you order online, you open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected all the time. It's that. Simple. Head to simplysafe.com slash team and get free shipping and a 60-day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team.
2: Simply Safe. Simply the best.
1: Transition So thank you so much for that beautiful transition. Again, what a natural So we're going to tell the whole, the whole, the arc, the Simply the Best arc. Actually, the song is called The Best. It's not called Simply the Best, but we all colloquially know it as Simply the
2: Best.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was lovely. Thank you. So here's how this all starts. Patrick suggests having an open mic night at the store to kind of gain some foot traffic and make the community feel more included. Right. Uh, David is initially very, very hesitant about this idea. Makes sense. Makes sense. Why would David
2: want to have a party?
1: So he's resistant to it, I think, for a few reasons. He's especially resistant to Patrick performing because I think he assumes he's going to be embarrassed. And I think this this whole arc has a lot to do with David assuming the worst, assuming that he's going to get burned, assuming that this is going to be embarrassing for him, for Patrick, for the store, etc. And
2: there is nothing more embarrassing than someone that you are... In a relationship with giving your friends and family an excuse for them to sort of drag them. Because now you have to come to their defense and you agree with it. Oh,
1: exactly. Patrick hosts the open mic night. He goes up to sing. David and Moira both are cringing. And Patrick ends up performing this really lovely cover of Tina Turner's The Best and serenades David in just a beautiful moment of television history. David, you see David just like melt. And to me, that's the moment that you see that David is in love with Patrick.
2: Yeah. And you see, in addition to it, Moira breaks down cries. They use the actual take of her doing it because it's like really just a really candid moment. Yeah. And I think that's where you see Moira decide. He's the one. Mm -hmm. He's the one for my son. Yeah, which is huge.
1: Huge. If you can get someone's mother on your side, especially like a Moira type mother. Yes.
2: If you can get someone's mother on your side, you are in. You
1: are in. So I think the simply the best moment is vital in their romantic relationship. I think in general, grand gestures get a bad rap. However, I am someone who wants a viral proposal so maybe that's biased uh, you
2: want a like you want a flash mob
1: yeah i do think it has to be friends and family though i don't like the idea of it being strangers i don't like the idea of somebody I'm hiring somebody for my proposal except like A horse and buggy or something. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't want that. (laughs) That's really basic. Don't do it.
2: And really problematic, especially in Central Park.
1: Especially in Central Park. A free-range horse, though.
2: (laughs) And a free-range buggy. The buggy is free to go anywhere it is. It's organic wood.
1: The tree just decided to fall down. (laughs) We didn't even have to chop it down. (laughs) Okay. I think this is an example of when public declarations work, And not only work, but are important. And it's when they are 100% about the other person. This isn't about, like, Patrick getting David to marry him. This isn't making up for a fight. It's Patrick knowing that David is someone who puts up his defensives, which we see when David assumes that Patrick is going to be bad. And this is him seeing David where he is at, understanding David where he is at, And understanding why David is that way. And instead of rejecting him or being complacent in that, he decides to be secure enough in his own feelings to go forward anyways and do this big public declaration of feelings and trust that this is what David needs to trust that he is going to be safe in this relationship.
2: I just want to do a throwback to the flash mob. Like if a flash mob happened in this it would be moira and like the jazz girls it would be really funny but um it thankfully patrick has better taste than that and and better talent he has he has not, i think grand gestures are really great when you do not have the you don't have your own words to describe how you're how you are feeling and how you feel about a person so like this if you're looking to do a grand gesture a subtle grand gesture karaoke Maybe not be like, this song is for you, right? but just like do a song and kind of like give your eyes to them a few times. I mean, karaoke can be very cheesy and really bad, but he has talent. He's playing the guitar. He's done a version of it.
1: And I think what it shows is that he publicly displays that he's not going anywhere and... It's funny, this plot completely mirrors in this episode what's going on with Stevie and Johnny and the motel. Stevie feels like Johnny is going to up and leave at any time. Mm -hmm. And this is why Johnny rebrands to make it the Rosebud Motel to really make it clear to her that he's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important for David to know that Patrick is here to stay. And I think that's another thing that a public declaration can do is make someone feel really safe that like... Well, you've said it in front of everyone, so you're not going anywhere.
2: Right, and um, I mean, although homophobia does not exist, it has been eighty-six out of Shit's Creek.
1: Eighty-six homophobia.
2: Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. We're not doing it anymore. We're done. It is still a, an incredibly brave moment for Patrick to step forward and profess his love to probably anyone, but specifically to a man in front of everyone, in front of this town, and his love for David is so clear from the beginning. We've talked about it all episodes. So I think he knows that his love is in the right place. It's in the right person. And I think that gives him the confidence to go up there and show off. That kind of confidence is sexy. Sexy.
1: Ah. Yeah. And I think David is so used to shame and shame about who he's with, because there are never people that treat him well and shame about his relationships in general so that's the other thing about being public is like everyone gets to see how much patrick loves him and i think he's someone who's never been publicly held up in that way publicly respected and admired and so i think it is important that it was in front of everyone and it's nice i think for him to see and for us to see as an audience that love and affection for them is something that flows openly and it isn't something you know i think in the past He has maybe seen his love or affection something to be withheld, like, or used as currency. Patrick really has no reason to do this. He just does it because he wants to. And I think that was a really transformational moment for David to observe that happening.
2: Right. I think it being placed inside the store that they Mm -hmm. own allows it to be both public and personal. Because if you—this happened in the cafe— it would be a very different story. Right. But I think that, and I think that is why in the cafe, we get Ted and Alexis's
1: mm, because they are they so- they met in the cafe too. Yeah, yeah. They have
2: their big, like, profess of love right. there. And it's different because it's personal, but it's public. And it's, it's kind of like a, the beginning of them opening the whole town into their lives.
1: Yeah. Into their lives. That's a good way to put it. So- the song itself, Dan Levy is, has talked about how this, this song, The Best, was chosen specifically. And Dan Levy talks about how, oh, you think it's a pop song, you know, this Tina Turner song. But I think with this, the lyrics sneak up on you on how beautiful they are and the sentiment that they're expressing. And what I think is perfect for David and Patrick is that it's a declaration of love. And it's telling someone that you love them. And encouraging them to come meet you where you are. Like, it's safe. This is how I feel about you. Come meet me where I'm at.
2: Kind of like a metaphor for the show. It's like you're watching, you're like, oh, this is just another pop original TV show. But then it sneaks up on you and it Mm -hmm. hits you different.
1: Mm -hmm. So then let's talk about David's reciprocation, David's version of the best. So he does it after the fight we talked about earlier where... Patrick's become upset that David has milked the apology for so long. And Patrick says, I think I need an olive branch. Yeah, so we
2: said going back earlier. Now we're fully back where we were. We're
1: here. We're back on the timeline. Yeah. So what David does is he, to make up for avoiding Patrick for longer than he probably should have, as soon as they close the store... David sits Patrick down in a chair and turns on the Tina Turner version of the song, The Best, and does a lip sync to Patrick. And I, what I love about this show is that I think in another show, they might have given us maybe like 20 seconds of this song, of this moment of him doing the lip sync to The Best. And they let almost the entire song play. They give us this fully developed moment of... David doing this dance and behaving in this silly, vulnerable, ridiculous way that we've never seen him and we watch Patrick just fall even deeper in love with him through this and we see Patrick realize how big this is for David to do and I just really appreciate the show that they let this moment play out so well.
2: Yeah, it hits a lot of awkward moments and really beautiful moments mm-hmm. and sexy moments. It it does it. they do a good job with it. It yeah. could have been, easily been really cheesy.
1: Yeah, exactly. So here's why I think David doing the lip sync matters. Patrick has by far been the bolder one in the relationship. And in these now four seasons that we've known David Rose, we have never seen him make a shameless, committed, unabashed fool out of himself ever. And he does it for Patrick in this song. He just lets himself be that vulnerable to the point where Patrick literally says, you know, people can see you, right? And David keeps going, not in a like tongue in cheek way, not in a half hearted or defensive or embarrassing way. He goes through that lip sync boldly and bravely and fearlessly in a way that I don't think he could have ever before in his life certainly not in when we first meet him in season one and i think he can do it now and have fun with it and enjoy this moment with his boyfriend because that is what love can make you do it makes you braver it makes you bolder that's the power of love baby boom all
2: right so i think concept wise i think david could have done more (laughs) I think...
1: If we're looking at this as a lip sync. Yeah, if we're
2: looking at a lip sync and we're looking at grand gestures, I think he could have done a little bit more. However, because we know David is so creative. Right. David is so creative. But I think the execution of it is perfect. It shows Patrick, look, I'm trusting. And if you don't, like, there's no way David could do that with anyone he didn't trust. So it's like, here's the trust you wanted from me. Here's the trust that, like, you told me to just trust and, and, like, fall for it like that's what it is I mean the whole execution of the idea is perfect the lights are down low it's getting it's like getting it on in a convenience store kind of vibes Uh, and he really sold it for me when right at the very top he goes right on in and he grazes his cheek with his nose and I was like oh that was good that was good we're gonna keep it I think he loses a little bit of points for originality but he makes up for the points in showing how brave he is and in his performance so overall it's a 10 for me
1: Um, okay. So that's kind of all we are talking about today in terms of the themes of their relationship and how this relationship has been set up from the get-go. Having said all of this, having explored all of these topics, we are going to give you our unsolicited advice. It must be somewhat solicited because you are listening to our podcast, but this is what we would say to A real life David or a real life Patrick.
2: It's solicited in the fact that you downloaded CoStar, and it's unsolicited that it keeps sending you notifications that you are out of work and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. You're like, get to work. Yeah. It's like trouble at work, and you're like, really, really
1: Really is there?
2: Is there? (laughs) That's kind of the actually the take that I wrote these advices on. My advice is from the viewpoint of like an unsolicited app that you didn't know was going to tell you. So I'll give Patrick first.
1: Okay. Great.
2: Okay, to Patrick. Don't be afraid to admit you don't always have the answers. You sometimes feel like you have to take the lead on things. Sift through others' BS to find what's really lying underneath. You have good instincts for what is right and wrong, but you can't expect every choice to be easy, so it's okay to tell your partner you don't know how or what to do.
1: Wow, that sounded just straight up like screenshots of CoStar. That 11 a.m. push notification. Um, I would say to a Patrick, essentially, I'm going to use a, a shipping metaphor, not like a shipping, like a relationship metaphor. I mean, oh, like, like a, a literal, not like a boat either, like a literal USPS packaging metaphor, US. I would say, essentially, handle with care, Um, <laughs> you know. You know that a lot of things will be new or difficult for the person that you're seeing. So proceed delicately, but you have to proceed. And you are probably going to have to be the one to create a safety net for this person. Or if you want to continue the shipping metaphor, um, use a lot of bubble wrap. You know, give this person a soft place to land and take care of yourself because being this person in the relationship takes a lot of patience so make sure you're ready for that okay so then to david what i would say i think as as the human narcissists that we all are we love to assume that if someone is withholding or reluctant to move forward in a relationship that it's about us that all the reasons have to do with us so i think if you are the slow to warm one in a relationship, if you're the David, then you need to communicate why you are this way and you need to communicate it well. I think a lot of people like to use the term, I'm damaged goods. And I think a lot of times on TV, it's very eye-rolly. I think that the person that you're seeing needs to understand why you are this way so they don't see you as just giving up on it and leaving it as I'm damaged goods because that's an excuse. I think if you explain why you are that way, it's a conversation of this is what's happened to me in the past. It's caused me to behave in this way, but I'm not going to leave it at that. I'm working on it, and I just ask that you be a little bit more patient with me while I work through it.
2: Yes, be more patient. Okay, so for mine, okay, you've been hurt in the past, and you're afraid you'll get burned again. So you'll put up a wall so high that it can leave you alone in the cold shadow. Take down those walls. Let love's light shine bright and fill you with warmth. Look around and see who you can trust with what. You might be surprised by the number of people you have on your team. Wow! I should write for CoStar.
1: I or you can write for like Tumblr. I feel like I see these quotes in like Times Roman font with like a link yes. in the background. Yes, you know, one yes, of those exactly. Tumblr posts.
2: <laughs> Ew! Uh, R.I.P. Tumblr.
1: R.I.P. Tumblr. Um, or or you know, um. Something you could get at Target, maybe printed on a wood block. <laughs> take down those walls.
2: A wood block. We'll Live, laugh, laugh, and take down, down those, those walls. walls.
1: Well, thank you so much, JP, for those words. And that brings us to our final segment of the episode All Aboard. Do, do. All Aboard is our segment where we talk about the moment. That we were fully on board with this ship. Mine is when um, it's the first time we see Patrick kind of really start to roast David. And specifically when he's tag teams with Stevie to roast David. Right. Um, is when they're talking about body milk and making fun of him for saying that anyone with an ounce of common sense would know that it's not milk that you drink, that it's lotion. I also love when a romantic interest can bond right away with a best friend to torture you. I think that is essential in a lasting relationship.
2: When a significant other and a best friend have teamed up on you, you, you have know. found the one.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the one.
2: For me, where I got on board, I hit yes, add to my cart and purchase immediately uh, was when Patrick decides to take over David's birthday and make a plan for it because that I think to me is like really big. I mean, despite whatever anyone says, their birthday matters to them. And
1: happy birthday, JP.
2: Yeah, this was all a hint that none of you have said anything.
1: <laughs> if you're listening to this episode on Thursday, July sixteenth, it's JP's birthday. Yes. What did
2: I? What were they talking about? Birthday. Okay. So, despite what anyone ever says. A birthday matters to them.
1: Always. Always, mm-hmm. There are
2: a lot of people who downplay it, downplay it, downplay it. And sometimes it requires someone to take the lead and be like, this is what we're doing. And to, for Patrick to see that David was trying to sarcastically brush off that he was hurt by his family not even caring or knowing that it's his birthday is a first sign so early in the relationship that he he sees him.
1: Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, so, to anyone out there who's trying to win JP's heart, tonight's your night. It,
2: it's the only, it only comes once a year. <laughs> the only
1: night of the year. You can sweep <laughs> them off your feet. So, that's all we have for you this episode. Next episode, we are talking about the conflicts of the relationship and how they work through them. But until that time, talk to us at Talking Ship Podcast and let us know your thoughts about these early stages of David and Patrick's relationship.
2: Tell us where we were wrong, tell us where we were right. Take sides on if you were team Patrick or team David at the barbecue or team Rachel. We don't know. Or team Rachel. Rebecca. If
1: if you're a big Rachel. 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 If you're a big Rachel stan out there, let us know. Uh, All right. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been Talking Ship. If you had a nice time, we would be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. We're still a pretty new show, so those stats really do help us out. Thank you so much to J.P. Maddock for being my wonderful co-host this season. You can follow him on social media at J.PayPay. That's J-A-Y-P-A-E-P-A-E. You can find the podcast on social media too, at Talking Ship Podcast for all kinds of content and updates. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm at OnlyMegan815 on all the platforms. That's Megan with no H. No H. Talking Ship is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals, so thank you to the whole team there for helping make this show happen, And thank you to Chris Meisner for composing our theme music that you're currently listening to. And that will fade out now.